0: This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. It's no secret that arts coverage has been slashed by many news outlets looking to cut costs. They're devoting a lot less space to serious classical music criticism, and there are a lot fewer critics around. This year alone, has seen critics leave the Houston Chronicle and the San Jose Mercury News, last December, longtime critic Alan Cozen left the New York Times. And that doesn't even touch on magazines and other periodicals. Joining us now is another critic who's leaving a big city newspaper. Scott Cantrell, the classical music critic of the Dallas Morning News, announced last month that he's accepting a buyout offer and he will leave his full-time post after 16 years. Our other guest is Douglas McLennan, the founder and editor of artsjournal.com, a website that compiles arts and culture news from
1: all over the world.
0: Scott, what make you decide to take the buyout now?
1: Well, it was perfect timing for me. I had been actually thinking about retirement for a couple of years, and my dream actually had been that a buyout would come at just the right moment, and that I would have some sort of transitional year rather than a clean break. And I was delighted that my editors were very interested in, in pursuing the latter, and it gives me a time to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, and it gives them time to figure out what they want to do with the coverage going forward. So I'll continue on a somewhat reduced freelance basis through this coming season.
0: And do you have any clue what they do want to do going forward as far as the coverage goes?
1: I think it's all up in the air at this point. Uh, I would love to see, obviously, a, a full-time position maintained. And there's a, such a distinguished tradition there of uh, John Rosenfield, who was uh, the person for 40-plus years, and John Ardoin for 32, I think. So uh, uh, I hope it continues. And I've offered to help with finding someone.
0: Well, do you think they really are going to go that
1: route? I really don't know. There's just so much turmoil in the business in general and at the morning news specifically. I think there's a lot of uh, interest now in getting journalists who are digitally savvy and um, how that fits into uh, classical music coverage, I'm not sure. But certainly there's uh, a lot of stuff going on in Dallas these days. Jalpan uh, Sweden uh, is doing amazing work for the Dallas Symphony. Both the opera companies are doing innovative programming. So somebody needs to keep tabs on it.
0: But your departure now leaves no full-time classical music critic in the state of Texas.
1: That's true. And um, actually, I was before for a while, after Charles Ward uh, retired from the Houston Chronicle. The job was open for a while. And then they brought in Steve Brown uh, for just a couple of years. And then they eliminated the job again.
0: Doug, I'm going to turn to you. Your site collects arts coverage from all over the world. Have you seen a decline recently in the amount of classical music coverage? Well, you know, it's a kind of
2: odd thing. We we started in 1999, and I remember in the early years of that, it was quite a chore to try and find 20 stories in a day that would be worth putting up. Not all classical music stories, of course, but you know, really well-done uh pieces. It's much much easier these days. Uh, There's many more publications to draw on. There are a lot more in-depth pieces, interesting pieces. On any given day, we're leaving out a lot of important things. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, the number of critics in newspapers has declined precipitously. If you look at dance, for instance, there are only, I think, two full-time dance critics in all of the United States, which is kind of shocking. Very shocking. Um, And uh, knowing that we were going to talk about this this morning, I I kind of took a a quick look around, and really we're down to – I would say, less than a dozen full-time classical music critics in the U.S. at newspapers.
0: And we actually have a map of those on our website right now that you can look at, all the classical music critics in the United States and where they're left.
1: I counted about 65 uh, about 20 years ago. and. As Doug said, I think the figure now must be around a dozen. And even some of us have done double duty. I was uh, also filling in as the de facto art and architecture critic for several years before they refilled those positions. Doug, where is
0: your coverage coming from if you're getting all this great material, if not from music critics and dance critics? Well, that's not
2: entirely true. There are critics who are writing in Digital magazines, there are blogs, there are, you know, the, the places have proliferated enormously.
0: Well, I guess the question then is are these people who are actually trained in journalism or are these just people with opinions? And does that matter? Well, see, it, it, it's not really as black and white a question as that.
2: I used to look around at a lot of the criticism that was in newspapers and go, "Boy, you know, it really isn't that good." There's a lot of it that wasn't really that good. It was boosterish. It was wrote. Let's not equate a golden age of of criticism with you know the situation we had 20 years ago. There might have been more of it in traditional newspapers, but a lot of it was not very good.
1: Scott, um, would you agree with that? Oh, yes. And uh, I remember uh, talking with uh, an, an editor about the, the fact that music critics at newspapers were typically hired by editors who didn't know much about classical music.
2: <laughs> That's right. And edited by them as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, which is worse. And now you could say that uh, a lot of people who are writing about classical music may not have journalism backgrounds and may not be you know, trained journalists, but there are some interesting voices out there uh, who are, I think are writing more interesting things. But that's not to say that the situation today is better than it was. I think it's just very different than it was and the other thing, of course, that's happened is that the job of criticism in the arts, doesn't matter what art you're talking about, uh, and coincidentally, movie and TV critics have been amongst the most devastated across the classes of, of critics. But you um,
1: get that off off the wires
2: that 's right, and and they were actually the first to go because you could syndicate it but the the thing that has dramatically changed is that it 's very difficult to make a living as a critic. I would say the majority of criticism that you read is not getting paid very well or if at all, and so in a way what 's happening is that the Art of criticism is is becoming less a profession and more of an avocation.
0: But well, Ted Joya recently wrote in the Daily Beast and argued that music criticism has sort of degenerated into lifestyle reporting, more focused on scandal stories and artists' clothing than actually discussing the music. What do you think about that?
1: That's been a pressure from some editors. I'm happy to say that I have never felt that pressure Um, But going back to your earlier point, I'd said for some time that there's uh, no future in arts criticism as a full-time job with benefits as we have known it. It's something to do if you have family money or your spouse is well-employed or you're willing to live in grad student penury.
0: Is there anything behind this other than the bottom line, do you think, with newspapers cutting all their critics?
1: Uh, Certainly the bottom line is probably the major part of it in that newspapers have been losing readership for decades and advertising, so there's simply the the dollars and cents aspect and and what do you cut to keep what is considered the most important stuff going on. But also I've certainly sensed a, a change in generations of editors. When I started out, the executive editor of the paper I worked for in Albany, New York, went to concerts that I was reviewing all the time and could respond to them intelligently. And uh, that has happened less and less over my career. I'm fortunate that my immediate editor is actually here at the opera as well, but uh, that's very much the exception these days.
2: And I think it's also important to make the distinction that that this isn't just an anti-arts crusade here. That very, very important parts of newspaper coverage of journalistic coverage, uh, a lot of things have been cut back. If you look at, at state house coverage now in most newspapers, uh, it's been decimated. And even coverage of, of basic things at City Hall are are way, way down. So I, I think this loss of audience has made them look at the bottom line and see, you know, what gets the click. So We're still at the stage of figuring out uh, how do you measure the engagement of somebody beyond just a basic click. And unfortunately, in journalism still, the audience is measured in that basic page view, basic click. And that really is an unsustainable measure for success in journalism.
0: Scott, have you had to pay attention to page views?
1: Well, it has uh, certainly been noticed. and In fact, our new editor commented on that uh, vis-a-vis my work, and he said that he was not concerned about uh, the fact that I didn't get as many page views as a uh, sports writers, for example. But one of the things uh, with classical music, and it's a generational thing I know, is that I have a number of friends who are, you know, thoroughly computer savvy or on their computers all the time, but they don't read my reviews until they come out in the printed paper, so they don't show up as clicks on, on the yeah. review.
0: Harry Connick Jr. recently used the word pentatonic on American Idol. And things got a little crazy because his fellow judge, Jennifer Lopez, had no idea what he was talking about. (laughs) Let's take a listen to that.
2: I'm not as taken by the smoke and mirrors of pentatonics as these two are.
1: No, it's Uh, tone. There's tone. And it's not just the gymnastics.
2: it, It just didn't do it for me.
1: What's the thing you're talking about?
2: Pentatonic.
0: Pentatonics.
2: Yeah, it's basically we have twelve <laughs> notes. You're to throw
0: these these things in America, and America's gonna
2: be like, what? No, but you know what's wrong with challenging America? I like that. Okay, Challenge so there it is, there me. Are, tell there me, tell me what that is.
1: There are twelve
0: notes. Does that ring true to either view on some level?
1: Well, I certainly would not use that word. It is interesting that I, who know nothing about sports, read sports coffee, and there's all these uh, there's all this terminology that I don't recognize, and even our wonderful. Uh, food critic, uh, Leslie Brenner, talks about things that I have no idea what she's talking about, but that's okay.
0: Scott, you've written some sharp-edged reviews over time. Has that ever come back to bite you?
1: Well, I had a funny experience uh, (laughs) some years ago. uh, I had written a number of uh, unkind reviews of a certain composer And I had interviewed him over the telephone. We'd never actually met in person. And I walked into a bar once in New York, and there he was standing at the bar. And I thought, well, does he know what I look like? Will he (laughs) come over and throw a drink in my face? Uh, Fortunately, there was no look of recognition. But I I recently had uh, the uh, general director of an opera company sit down with me and go over a review uh, virtually word by word and tell me how it should have been written which I thought was extremely unprofessional and certainly free to disagree and, and have a civilized conversation. But uh, he, was, he was pretty nasty about it.
0: How much pressure do both of you think these days publishers feel from arts organizations that advertise with the papers? I'm thinking of the Colorado Symphony that wouldn't let the local public radio station broadcast their concerts anymore unless they bought underwriting and did puff pieces about the orchestra or the situation in Cleveland.
1: I have never sensed any of that in any of my newspaper jobs, I'm glad to say.
0: Yeah,
2: I think, though, that there's a dawning awareness among arts organizations that buying ads in the, the local paper is less and less effective, and it doesn't give you the, the return. And certainly when you look at an allocation of media dollars these days, it looks like print media ads are over-allocated in terms of the spending and return on investment. So I, you know, I hope that's I,
1: not entirely true.
2: Well, that's been the trend for a while. What's getting the most advertising return right now is video. Video ads are very difficult to avoid if you're watching any kind of video, and the consumption of video, especially on smartphones, is, is just rocketing. So
0: Including video reviews?
2: Not so many. And you know that that's another thing to actually think about here is that who actually said that the, you know, 800-word print review is the perfect vehicle for criticism. I don't think that we've been particularly innovative in thinking about how the critical form could evolve, and particularly in music where you could use examples, you could use you know, all sorts of visual clues and, and whatever. We haven't been very good at, about innovating around that.
1: There are certainly possibilities there. It would require a completely different mindset from the American Federation of Musicians uh, as to rights to uh, reproduce excerpts of performances and, of course, people to do the editing. But, uh, yeah, that's a valid point.
0: So I have one last question for both of you. If the remaining classical music critics everywhere could do one thing to prove their necessity and relevance to their employers, what would it be?
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) If you could do one thing. Well, I I know as as a kind of an editor, as a person who kind of determines what a page looks like, that if you want a, a successful publication over time, it's not just about what's most popular, because then you're, you're, um, you, know, you become BuzzFeed in a way, huh? and that you want to create a landscape of things which, even if they don't get high viewership, the, and even if a reader doesn't read it, it's, sort of, it's part of the landscape. It establishes the neighborhood that you want to be there as an audience for. I mean, these things go in cycles, and we've been in the, the click obsession for a long time now. But my sense is that as you start to see videos getting a billion clicks, for instance, a billion views, that that the metrics of raw clicks is becoming less and less a determinant of what is going to define a publication. So if I was a critic and wanted to prove that I belonged as part of a mix of what that publication is, I would say that you want to make the case that you're culturally relevant and that you're contributing to a discourse, to uh, an enrichment of an audience that they want to reach. Scott?
1: Well, I would agree with all of that. Um, I would add to write as vividly uh, as possible so that people reading it can imagine what the experience was like and to be fearless in staking out your own positions and uh, backing them up.
0: Well, thank you both very much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. This has been Conducting Business. My guests were Dallas Morning News classical music critic Scott Cantrell and Douglas McLennan of Arts Journal. Brian Wise is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.